Let us pray. Father, we quiet our hearts before you once again. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. And we take this moment, God, to just say thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are so big, that you are so awesome, that you are so great. And indeed, we thank you for the name of Jesus, the name that is higher than any other name. And we give you praise and thanks for the privilege that is ours to call upon that name. And so, Lord, this morning, may you be with us. May you speak to each one of us, Lord, and may you help us to be obedient to respond to you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, worship team, Pastor Lucas, Jan, and all of you. Thank you very much for leading us in this time of worship. A wife went into the room that her husband was sitting in. And he noticed out of the corner of his eye that his wife had entered in as he was watching television. And all of a sudden, he noticed that she left the room. Well, about two minutes later, she came in the room again, he noticed, and then she left the room again. The third time she entered in, she looked around, and he said, is everything okay? <laughs> she said, I think I must be losing my mind. I can't remember what I came in the room for. He says, I know that you have lost your mind because you've given me a piece of it over 30 years. <laughs> well, I hope that you all had a wonderful week. And this morning, the title of my message is, Revival is a Time to Wake Up, and this is part four. Pastor Nick has been preaching on this theme for the last few weeks, and he has done part one, two, and three. And so I told him that I am going to write a part four to this and so it's, uh, it's written by me, it's not written by him, but it's just continuing on with this theme as we look forward to revival. So revival is a time to wake up. You know, as I think about this theme that he had started, I thought, you know, if you're anything like me, you like sleep, right? You like sleep, however, once I wake up in the morning, there's already a million things running through my mind. Does that ever happen to you? That I think about all of the things that I need to do, I think about the people I need to call, the people I need to see, where I need to go, all of these different things, and they're already going through my mind. And so, of course, it's always nice to sleep more, right? You know, the snooze button and all of that. But when there are so many things that you have to do, it kind of forces you to get up. Right? How many of you ever feel like that? Like on a Saturday morning or something on your day off or whatnot, you want to sleep in, but you just have so many things to do that you realize, I just can't. I don't have the time to do it. Right? Do you ever feel like that? All right. So I'm not alone. So when I think about the fact that revival is a time to wake up, I think about the fact that many of us can become so comfortable and so complacent in our Christian life that it's time for us to take seriously the things that we need to take seriously and to wake up spiritually, to say, I can no longer continue just kind of floating by, but it's time that I truly wake up and take seriously these things right? It's important that we do that. 
To revive something means to bring life back into it. It means to give new life. And God has called us to be Christians who are on fire for him. And so this message that I share with you this morning is a simple message. I'm sure that it's something that you've heard before, but it's something that I want you to look at in a fresh new way. Will you do that with me? And so this morning as I share with you, revival is a time to wake up. And so I challenge you today to wake up and number one, call upon the Lord and be saved. Wake up and call upon the Lord and be saved. This is one of the basic things that you will ever hear about Christianity, that we need to call upon the Lord, that we need to call upon the name of Jesus, that we need to look to the Lord. And it sounds so simple, but the bottom, bottom line is that we must acknowledge Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, that we must believe in him and acknowledge him. You know, when we go through times of trouble, when we go through times of difficulty, it's very easy for us to pick up the phone and to call our family, to call our friends, to talk about it with this person, to talk about it with that person. But how many times do we first run to the Lord with it? How many times do we run to him first and give it over to him because he is able to do something about our circumstance? He is able to do something about our situation. He wants us to call upon his name. He wants us to look to him. And there are many different ideas of how someone can be saved. Did you know that? There are many different ideas that people have in their head. But the Lord tells us that we need to call upon him. And the beautiful thing is that the Bible tells us that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. That doesn't mean the rich or the poor. That doesn't mean the tall or the short or those who live in Toronto or those who live in Mississauga. It means everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That we must acknowledge him and call upon his name. And that scripture is in from Romans chapter 10 verse 13. And so we need to take that seriously to know that we have the privilege of calling on the name of the Lord. That it's not about how much I give. It's not about how nice I am to people. It's not about how many animals I rescue or how much I feed the homeless or do this or do that. But it's about calling on the name of the Lord. We must call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And this morning you might be sitting here and thinking, well, we already know this. I've heard it many times. But you know, the truth is that there are many people who come into the church that are not Christians. There are many people who come into the church who have not been saved and who have not yet called upon the name of the Lord and who are trusting in the Lord. And it's time that we make a decision, that we say, Lord, I believe in you. Lord, I acknowledge your name. Lord, I know that there's power in the name of Jesus. And so I challenge you this morning to wake up and to consider, have I called upon the name of the Lord? Have I been trusting in the Lord? Am I running to the Lord first instead of everyone else because he tells us that we have to do it. 
How many of you ever listen to the radio and hear all the different contests that happen? Do any of you ever do that as you're driving and you hear, you know, that if you're the ninth caller, you know, call in or, or send a text message or whatever, right? You, you, you've heard that. All right. So one day when I was um, parked somewhere, I had got to the destination where I was and the car was still on and I heard the, the radio and whatever and it was for... Um, it was for Ed Sheeran tickets, if any of you know who Ed Sheeran is. So anyways, he sings all those sappy love songs and whatever. And so they said, send a text message with your name or whatever. And so I thought, well, why not, right? Why, why not? I could win Ed Sheeran tickets, why not, right? So I didn't think anything of it, so I sent it. But I sent it, and while I sent it, I was like, Lord, I believe that I'm going to win, right? I'm claiming it. I'm praying over that text message. And so anyways, I sent the text message, and bottom line was I didn't win, right? <laughs> I didn't get anything. They didn't even, like, acknowledge that I sent it or whatever. So as I sent it, I thought to myself, you know, it, it's all about chance, it's all about luck. It's all about if they pick your name once you've entered, then you'll be able to win. But it's not guaranteed. So I can enter, I can say that I want a chance to, to win these tickets, but it's not guaranteed. Are you following me? So I may not win, and chances are I won't win, and I didn't win. And so as I think about that, I think about the fact that isn't it beautiful that God says salvation is not like that? That it's not a lottery, that it's not by chance, but he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. It's not about if he picks us or if he doesn't. He says, if you call upon my name and you believe in me, then you will be saved. It's not about how much you can fast. It's not about how much you can do this. It's not about how many times you do that. But if you call upon my name, you will be saved. That is the beautiful thing, that salvation is for everyone. Everyone. And there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That it's not by works that anyone can boast, but it's only through him. And the Bible is clear in telling us that, that Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. That we can't say, I earned my way into heaven. That we can't say that I did it myself, but it is God's grace who has brought me there. About a month ago, I did something that I've never done before. All right. I've done a lot of dangerous things in my life, okay? If you know me, you know that I'm a dangerous person. <laughs> but I did something that I've never done before. You wanna, and I didn't even tell my parents about this. All right. So I picked up a hitchhiker. But, but okay, before you freak out, relax, calm down. <laughs> Let me explain what happened. All right. So I'm driving down the street, and it was a nice warm day, not too hot or whatever, and so I had my windows down, okay? The car windows were down on both sides, so I'm driving, and uh, so I got to the, the stoplight, and as I'm driving, I see this older lady with her thumb out, right? She's, a, she's, she's an old lady. She has her thumb out, 
So, you know, I just thought, she's standing at the bus stop, okay? So she has her thumb out, and she has a little girl next to her, and like, I'm just minding my own business, but I noticed her. So I was the first car in that lane, and so the bus stop's right there. So because the windows were down, she comes over to the car, and she says, so are you gonna give us a ride? <laughs> and I look at her, and I look at the empty car that she clearly can see into, and I said, why not, <laughs> right? So I didn't even know where they were going, okay? So, I, but I thought to myself, in those couple of seconds, I thought, how much harm can she really do, right? Come on, right? So, <laughs> if anything, I could probably take her. So, so, <laughs> so, she and this little girl who's about eight years old, probably seven or eight, gets in the car. And of course, the little girl has, you know, a drink and some food and whatever. So anyways, I'm like, okay, come on in, you know, whatever. So they get in the car. And so she says, thank you so much. You know, she's so late for her dance class and she's been crying and she's going to miss it and whatever. And I said, yeah, that's, that's okay. So, you know, where is it? So she tells me where it is and it's about... 20 kilometers away from where we are. So I thought, oh yeah. She says, oh, I hope that's not out of your way. I thought, oh no, no, not at all. Okay, so, so, we're, so we're driving or whatever, and so I know where it is, because I know this. And she says, well, well, we're not really from, I'm not from around here, I'm just visiting my daughter, and she's at work, and so I said I would take my granddaughter to dance class and, and whatever, and so she's telling me where to go. And I said, oh, no, that's okay. So she said, oh, you can make a left here, make a right here. I said, oh, that's okay. Like, I, I, I know where to go, right? Like, this is my city. Like, I know where to go. And so she continues to tell me, no, no, you won't be able to get there. Um, no, my daughter told me this is the way to go. And I said to myself, I said, I know where to go. And actually, I know how to get there quicker because I have somewhere to be, right? And so... As we're driving, of course, she says, uh, she tells me her name is Ruth and her granddaughter's name was, I think, um, I can't remember what it was, so whatever. So she says, so what's your name? And I said, I'm Lisa. And she says, so, so do you work? <laughs> I said, kind of, like, I don't, I don't know what you want to call it. But so she says, so what do you do? I said, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. She says, oh, you're one of those. <laughs> That's what she says to me. She says, oh, you're one of those. And, and then she turns around to her granddaughter and said, did you hear that? She's just, she's a pastor, right? As if it's a, a joke or something. So anyway, so we're driving and she says, yeah, you know, we've, we've been to church a couple of times, but uh, uh, we're good people, right? We're, we're good people. I'm like, that's, that's good. I'm glad to hear that because you're a stranger in my car, right? I'm glad you're a good person. So as we're driving, again, she's giving me directions and trying to tell me how to go. So, you know, just trying to be patient with her. I kind of follow her directions. Sometimes I pretend that I'm not listening to her and that I just make the wrong turn so that we can get there faster. Bottom line is we got to where we needed to go. She got there, she got out, and she says, you were my angel today, God bless you. And I said, thank you. I said, God bless you as well. And as they left, I was thinking to myself in that moment, two things, the fact that she thought that because they're good people, that's enough. 
because they're good people, that's enough for them. That they can connect to God and, and be saved and experience all the things that Christians can because they're good people. But the truth of the matter is that the Bible tells us it doesn't matter how good we are, that we need to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. As she was telling me where to go and directing me and trying to tell me where to go, I knew where to go to get to the destination better than she did. She didn't even belong. She didn't even come from this city. But she was trying to tell me where to go. There are many different people who think that there are many different paths. There are different routes. There are different ways to get to heaven. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That it is only me that you can get to heaven. It is only through me. Jesus is the only way. And we must call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Call upon his name and you will be saved. Jesus says in, in Romans or the Romans chapter 10, verse 9, we're told, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's as easy as that. To start that Christian journey, to start that relationship with God, and then from there, obviously, he will help us to continue to change and be transformed and to bear fruit and to show evidence of our faith. But that is what we need to do. It's not about being a good person, but it's about calling on the name of the Lord. We must also wake up, and number two, repent of your sins. Wake up and repent of your sins. Sin is a transgression against God. It is wrongdoing that we commit against God. And it's because of that wrongdoing that we are separated from God, that we have that broken relationship. Adam and Eve, when they were created, had a perfect relationship with God. They had fellowship with God, but because of sin... They were now separated from God. Because of sin, God kicked them out of the garden. Because of sin, they experienced consequences for their actions. Because of sin, that relationship that they once had was broken. And we too, because we are sinful, have a broken relationship with God. But God sends his son to restore that. God sent Jesus to die in our place for his blood to be shed so that we could be forgiven, so that we could now have a right relationship to him. But we must ask the Lord to forgive us. In fact, it's not even good enough to just say, I'm sorry. But to truly repent means that I truly acknowledge what I have done. And I am planning to turn away from it. That's what it means to repent. God calls us to repentance. He calls us to be people who are serious about changing. And it's important for us to change from our sins. To be repentant people to repent of our sins. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, it tells us whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You see, if we continue in our sinfulness, if we continue to live as we are and pretend that it's okay, then we are hiding ourselves and we are keeping ourselves from the blessing that God has 
for us. It's time that we wake up and that we take this seriously, that we stop sinning, that we stop intentionally transgressing against God because our sins are against God. It's time to ask the Lord to help us in whatever areas it is, whether it's lying or cheating, gossiping, stealing, whether it's swearing or drinking or all these different bad habits or pornography or gambling, whatever those are, we need to wake up and say, Lord, help me to change my ways. Help me to repent of my sins. Help me to change my behavior. And guess what? He is so faithful, and he will. God wants us to change. He wants to see transformation in, his, in our lives, and we are the ones who have to make the decision to do it. And when we make that decision, he's willing to help us. You know, the Bible tells us that to the Lord, obedience is better than sacrifice. Did you know that? It's better for us to be obedient than offer a sacrifice. What does that mean? Well, in the Old Testament, God had commanded the people to give sacrifices and, and to offer sacrifices. And the Israelites, God's chosen people, were offering sacrifices, but they were being led astray by the pagan worshipers. And they started worshiping these different um, pagan gods and committing adultery, uh, idolatry. But they were worshiping these gods, but in the same way, they were still offering God sacrifices. So they were committing sins, but they were going through the motions and they were continuing in tradition by, on the one hand, committing sin against God, but then on the other hand, going and just offering sacrifices. And to God, that's not what he wanted because obedience is better than sacrifice. To be obedient is what he wants when he calls us, when he wants us to change. And he tells us, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their land. He will forgive them. God wants us to look to him, to repent of our sins, to turn from our wicked ways, and to call upon his name. He tells us that he's willing to do it, and we must look to him. He calls us to wake up and repent of our sins. He also calls us to wake up and, number three, know and realize that death is final. Death is final. As I thought about this truth, it's, it, it came to my mind the fact that many people have this misconception about death. There are so many different things about death that people think of. Some people don't even like to think of it because they, they don't want to think about what's going to happen. But the truth is that we need to understand that death is not just for, quote, old people, right? It's not, because death is not a respecter of persons. That at any age, at any time, any of us can go, and that is the reality. And we need to be ready for when that moment comes. As I was writing my dissertation, which is just a fancy name for the research paper for my doctoral degree, I wrote on the theme of life after death. That's what I researched on. And for this research, I had to read hundreds of books and academic journals and articles and whatnot. And as I read this, my mind was blown at the fact that there are so many varying opinions about what happens to people after they die. 
I don't know if you ever thought about this, but all these people have these different opinions from the fact that everyone goes to heaven to their death or hell is just a temporary place to we just get annihilated and we just stop existing to all of these different opinions about what happens after death. And as I read that, I thought to myself, people are so misled because what the Bible teaches is clear. John 3.16 is clear when it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And why? He gave his only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So in my mind, I see there are two options. There is the option to have eternal life, and that is when we trust in the Lord. And then there's an option that... There is people who will perish, who are not trusting in the Lord. And you see, we don't like to talk about it, but there is a heaven and there is a hell and they are real. And whether we want to acknowledge it or not, it doesn't change the fact that they still exist. And that many people are going to go there, and especially when they don't want to talk about the that they need to call upon the name of the Lord. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And death is final. There are no second chances after death. I'm not a big video game person. Some of you may like to play video games or your um, kids may play or your grandkids may play. But, you know, I don't really play video games. And when I do, it's usually like Super Mario, right? Like something like that, something easy. Um, but when I do play video games once in a blue moon, it doesn't really bother me, you know, if the person gets falls off the cliff or runs into a wall or whatever and dies because I know that... They're, I'm going to have another life, right? Like they're going to come back and I can just start over and do that. And that's in a video game. But it's important for us to realize that life is not a video game. That there are no second chances after death. That death is final. And we need to understand, are we ready for that? Are we ready for that? About eight years ago, my parents... Uh, uh, went on a trip, and uh, actually, I'll, I'll tell you that in a little bit. So death is final, and life is not a video game. Each person will die. Each person will experience death. The question is, are you ready for it? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 tells us, and just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. There are no second chances. There is no temporary place. There is heaven and there is hell. And after death, there comes judgment. The Bible is clear. Are we ready for that? Are we ready at any time to meet the Lord? Because we need to. We need to be ready. We need to make a choice. And you see, the choices that we make in this life are so important because they affect eternity. They affect where we will spend eternity. And I don't tell you this out of fear. I tell you this so that you understand and that you can make a choice, so that you can choose and make the right choice. Jesus says that in him we find life. He has come to give us life and to give it to us to the full. And in him we can have that life. 
When we are trusting in Jesus, he gives us a peace that we don't have to fear death, but we can know that when our time comes, that we will spend eternity with him in heaven. Amen? We don't have to be afraid. We don't need to fear, but it is time to wake up and know that death is final. We are also called to wake up and to realize that Jesus is coming back. That Jesus is coming back one day. For those of us who are alive then, we don't know when he's coming, but we get to experience eternal life with him and he tells us that one day he's coming back, his second coming. The first was when he was born in that major and when he lived his life and then died on the cross, but then he's coming back a second time and he's coming back for his church. He's coming back to take each and every one of us with him. Is it okay if I tell you my story, Anthony? Anthony says yes, yeah, okay. <laughs> about eight years ago, no, I had started. About eight years ago, my parents and my, I have two brothers, and I don't publicly say that, but I do have <laughs> two brothers. About, about, it was about eight years ago, my parents and my younger brother, uh, who's now married, um, we, they ended up going out of town for a funeral, all right? I don't know if you remember this, but they ended up going out of town for a funeral, and my older brother and I, he's two years older than me, my older brother and I, we stayed at home because obviously we were old enough to take care of ourselves, and I was in school, and I couldn't be away, and I had a lot of research papers and stuff to do, and so they left us at home, but obviously they left us with very clear instructions on what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do, all right? You know how it is, so fine. So I knew that they were gone for the weekend, okay? I also knew they were coming back on Monday night. So they said. <laughs> that's, that's what they said. And so I said to my older brother, I, I clearly said to him, I said, you stay out of my way and I stay out of yours. <laughs> that was the deal that we made, right? You stay out of mine, I stay out of yours. Okay, fine. So we did our thing for the weekend. Come Monday, it was very clear. My mom had said, it was my day off. I had no school that day. She said, I want the house clean, and you're not allowed to go out with your friends on that day. So I thought, okay, fine, like, you know, the house is clean. So come Monday, I thought to myself, woke up, why would I stay home and clean the house? They're not even home. They're coming back tonight, right? So why would I stay home? So I thought, I'm going to go out. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna go out with my friends and whatnot. And then when I come back later, I'll quickly clean the house before they come back. Nobody will ever know anything because I told Mark to stay out of my way anyways, right? So, all right, so about midday or, you know, partway through the day, I get a text message from Mark, my older brother, saying, they're on their way home, where are you? <laughs> I nearly had a heart attack because not only was the house not clean, but I was nowhere close to home, <laughs> all right? I tell you that because of this. Jesus tells us that he's coming back. We don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but he tells us, be ready. Are we ready for when he comes? Are we ready for when he comes? Are we ready for his return? Because he says, 
I am coming. Matthew chapter 24, verse 42 tells us, Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. We need to be ready. We need to be waiting. We need to anticipate his coming and to be ready at any given moment to meet the Lord, whether that is a day that we pass away or whether that is the fact that we are alive and we see Jesus coming again. We need to be ready. Yesterday at our time of prayer, uh, we closed that day with singing different songs and sharing testimonies. And Pastor Lucas led us in a song that many of you may know called Cornerstone. And as I, I read the words of this, I, it's a song that we've sung before. I thought this goes with this. This part says, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Are we ready to stand before the throne? Are we dressed in God's righteousness? Because it is that righteousness that we need, that he calls us to have. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, he says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to every man according to what he has done. Jesus is coming again. We must wake up and know that he is coming and to ask ourselves the question, am I ready? Is my house clean? We are temples of the Holy Spirit. Are we clean inside? Are we ready for when he returns? Are we dressed in that righteousness of God so that one day when we stand before the throne, we will not be ashamed, but we will be able to stand boldly to say. And I want to tell you this, as hard as it is, a sobering fact, that not everyone who claims to be a Christian is. I want to share this verse with you. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It is a serious thing, and we need to ask the question, are we ready? Not just are we good people, not just we go to church every week, but are we trusting in the Lord? Have we repented of our sins? Are we truly looking to him and living lives that are pleasing to him? Because death is final and Jesus is coming. But how good it is to know that he is faithful, that he is good and that he is perfect in all of his ways, and God is merciful and compassionate, and he tells us that he is with us, and he will help us to be the people that he has called us to be. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, we can rest assured, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. May we wake up and take seriously the things of the Lord. Revival is a time to be revived, to renew ourselves spiritually, to renew our minds and our hearts, and to renew our relationship with the Lord. Are you ready? Let us pray. 
Father, we thank you for who you are. And although, Lord, some of these truths may be hard to swallow, Lord, they are a reality. And I pray that each person here would leave questioning, Lord, their, their relationship with you, would leave taking seriously their relationship with you, would leave knowing, oh God, that you are the only way, that it's not good enough just to be good people, that it's not good enough just to give once in a while, that it's not good enough to do anything out of our own strength, but it's in you alone. And so, Father, we look to you and we pray that you would help us that you would change us from the inside out, that you would transform us, that you would truly help us, oh God, as a body of Christ, to get on our knees and say, Lord, help us to be the people that you've called us to be, for we want to see revival in our lives, in our church, in our community, in our world. We want to see people who are sold out to you, oh God. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us. May you speak to your people this morning and help us to respond appropriately. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.